This episode of Grumpy Old Geeks is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks cloud accounting software helps freelancers master their admin and paperwork and makes filing taxes a breeze. Go to freshbooks.com slash grumpy and start your free 30-day unrestricted trial today. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. How you doing today, Brian? Good week? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's, you know, crazy week. You were traveling. I came back from Toronto and you know what it's like when you first get back from any travel. That's a day or two shot. So yeah, here I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to the rain summit on uh, Wednesday, which is the uh, radio and internet news summit on uh, online advertising and podcasting advertising audio is basically, you know, uh, yep. you know, there were people from Spotify, like a VP from Spotify and all the big players were there and it was, uh, it was a nice, it's a nice half day summit. Excellent. Nine in the morning till one in the afternoon. <laughs> Hope you got us lots of advertisers. It wasn't that kind of advertising summit. It was more about people in the business. Yeah, I know. I wish I would have gotten dream. some. I, <laughs> I may, I may have bought us some advertising, spent us, spent us some of our money, <laughs> but we'll see how that turns out. Um, so that was fun, and then turned around, came home, rapid packed, then drove to Nashville. Uh, mm-hmm. Drove to Nashville Thursday, spent the night Thursday, spent the night Friday, and drove home yesterday. I like Nashville. I hope you had a good time. There's a lot of good food there, a lot of good bars, good place. Well, we actually stayed about 80 miles outside of town at the Slatewood Club, which okay. was uh, like a kind of a private club where there were, you know, most of the guys were out driving like, you know, fast cars and shooting guns. I stayed inside and worked, but uh, had a bunch of good dinners, a lot of good drinks. They do a mean whiskey taste in there. Ooh, But yeah, <laughs> there was good food and good drink, but and I was sad to leave a leave a day early, but had to come back and do this. Oh, yeah. Well, here we are. Yeah, 17 hours in a car over three days sucks. <laughs> I prefer flying, yes. Yes, but I got to got to listen to some audiobooks and podcasts, which I will okay, cover that in a little bit. <laughs> so a little follow-up here. Interesting mm-hmm. news coming out of the state of California. Mm-hmm. Apple has received their first uh, self-driving car permit. Wait, are you saying that they went and got a permit first before doing it? Yeah, Go figure. How novel. <laughs> yeah. How novel. No wonder that stock price is doing so well. Yes. Uh, they've only got a couple cars and a couple drivers. So they got three three Lexus RX 450Hs with uh, six drivers who are allowed to test them. Okay. Well, it, that's interesting. I mean, I assume they're writing their own system then to do self-driving. So their <laughs> own operating system, I suppose. And of course, you know, people are just uh, the normal Apple freakouts is is. Well, I thought they were going to make their own car. Well, who the hell knows? Nobody knows. That's the whole thing. Nobody knows. Yeah. I think they may have just, this might have been a preemptive strike to, if they yeah. if they do have something undercover, but that whole division has been going through problems. So nobody honestly knows what the hell's going on with Apple in their cars. Nope. I, I personally hope that they don't make a car. Uh, why bother? Make a partnership with somebody else. Stick to the operating system. Uh, expand the idea of CarPlay to take over the entire thing. We don't need a. They don't need to get in the business of creating the entire infrastructure for building cars. Make a deal with Tesla. Get it over with. Exactly. You know, yep. I, Apple hardware ain't what it used to be. So nope. <laughs> it's really yeah one of the things. I oh and and you'll get a laugh out of this one. Uh, unfortunately, when I did leave the Slatewood Club yesterday morning, I sadly left my AirPods there too. 
<laughs> I knew it. So fortunately, yeah. my friend picked him up, and I, I get to pick him up when I go to San Jose in three weeks. Uh, I left him. They, they, they were in the bed in the little... The little white case. Uh, you couldn't see it in the sheets, and I just left it there. I got home last night in a panic. I'm like, no. I just, it's a hard and fast rule for me. The things that I will not spend a lot of money on are headphones. Well, headphones that I take with me outside of the house. I will spend a lot of money on the headphones that I leave in my studio because yeah. that makes sense. Uh, headphones and sunglasses. They should always be cheap. Exactly. Especially on the sunglasses. But the I'm always out of the house in headphones. Most of the time when I'm wearing headphones, I'm out of the house. So, Damned if you do, damned if you don't on that one. But I have to go back. To, I went back to the cord last night. And it was just like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> really sucks. I, uh, I did see a pair out in the wild. I haven't seen. Uh, they were actually in someone's ears. They mm-hmm. hadn't fallen out yet. So I have not seen any on the bike path. But I am keeping my eye open for them. Oh, they will get there. Because there's still not that many out in the wild at all. You, you, yeah. they're, they're really hard to get still. Yep. Um, so a little uh, Uber follow up, too, before we get to our other Uber news later in the show. Uh, the Italians have lifted the ban while the appeal is under place. So people can still get their Ubers Alitalia. Eh, fine. Fair enough. We'll see what happens. And uh, Uber is returning to Taiwan, mm-hmm. which is interesting. They're, uh, they agreed to a partnership with car rental companies for some reason. Um, That's odd. <laughs> yeah. They, they got like slammed a while ago for saying that they were an internet-based tech platform rather than a transportation company. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Uber yeah. is just so full of crap. Yeah, and it just keeps getting worse. But I thought it would. Uh, it was interesting that the Italians said, uh, you can keep driving the cars. So, yeah, at I least mean, while the know, appeal's fine. going. <laughs> yeah, while the appeal's going, I'm. that's uh, fine. In the news. Burger King has a new TV ad. Uh, in this ad, the actor in the ad looks directly at the camera and says, okay, Google. What is the Whopper burger? I was waiting for someone to do this. <laughs> it was only a matter of time. At least uh, yes. do, it, do it on purpose, not accidentally. Yes, this was done purposefully. I think it's strange that they targeted Google when there's much less of uh, Google's home devices out there than the Amazon Echoes. Uh, they point out the ad was not done in partnership with Google. Well, no shit. Yeah. Um, and the question remains whether there's something Google might do to prevent triggers such as the one in this commercial. Uh, no. I mean, how how are you supposed to do that? Now, apparently, they just shut down the query about Whoppers, which oh. is fine. But that what if you actually legitimately were at home and wanted to ask a question about the Whopper burger? Now you've screwed those people. Um, I just think this is great. I mean, I immediately when I saw this, I tweeted it out and it said, this is the kind of thing that I would have suggested, you know, in a in a corporate meeting for advertisement. And I would have been shot down because this is smart. It's genius. You're breaking the fourth wall. We know these devices are out there. Why not do this? You're going to get all this press, which they did. So smart on them. Good job. Uh, it does bring up the concept of security for these devices, especially since people are rolling out more and more of these, you know, Internet of Things home devices. I mean, I've seen uh, front door locks that can be triggered by your Amazon Echo in theory. Exactly. Um, we, we talked about so, that, like just standing outside the window and yelling at an Echo. Echo, unlock yeah. the door. You know, <laughs> exactly. And that's going to be a real problem. And the only kind of security there can possibly be for these devices is voice recognition, which isn't quite there yet. So nope. it's interesting. Yeah. And if I go to your house, I just have a little tape recorder in my pocket and just tapes, <laughs> tapes your sneakers away. And, so, you know, you just wait for somebody to come over if you're having a party and have them say it, tape it and then go outside the window and do it. Uh, say anything boombox style. Hold it over your Pretty head. Much. And <laughs> open the yeah. door. 
Yeah, and and the thing with a lot of these devices too is they don't let you change the what the what the keywords are the that for all the devices, which is one way to do security through obfuscation, <laughs> which I cannot say this morning because security I've had a lot through of obscurity. Or, uh, that's not that, that's not actually that's it. also not the word I was shooting for. No. But we'll just let that go. So what we really um, need though, I think, are like some kind of. Uh, like unlock with your phone, like, you know, anything with like near field or have a fob that goes with it. So it only works when you're in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Of course that that'll work as well. Or just, you know, if you had the ability to change the wording that's involved with these sorts of things. So it could be, you know, Alec Amazay with Diggy Dong opens your door <laughs> and nobody knows that. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting stuff, but I do love uh, well done Burger King. Round of applause for you for for doing that, even though you got the ire of a bunch of stupid people. Yeah, I think Google's response was wrong. Totally wrong. They, uh, Google they, should should be happy about it. Google mm-hmm. should have been like, you know, we we'd prefer that people didn't do this sort of thing because obviously there's unintended things, but quite quite smart of you. Yeah, and so, uh, I mean, if they really wanted to get back at uh, Burger King, they could have just said a Whopper is a heart attack with two buns, you know, or something fun. <laughs> That is true. Yes. That is very funny. It's a, it's a cholesterol device. Cholesterol delivery device. Yes. Ah, remember back in the day when Facebook decided to uh, spin off Messenger and make it its own app? Oh, boy, do I ever. Yes. And people said crazy things like, if Facebook thinks I'm downloading a separate app just to send Facebook messages, they're crazy. Well, uh, unfortunately, we were all forced to. And mm-hmm. we didn't have a choice. And since a lot of people send Facebook messages, uh, we all ended up getting the damn app anyways. So not surprisingly, it's at 1.2 billion users. Yeah. It, That's with a B. Because you know it's just going to be a subset of like, you know, 80% of how many users use Facebook, you know? Yeah. So. Of course. Yeah. It's it's twice the size of Instagram. So it's interesting to get these kind of statistics out there. So uh, and it's uh, Messenger is now the same size as Facebook's other messaging app, WhatsApp, which I had no idea had that many billions of users. But uh, I guess it makes sense because it was hugely popular overseas before it ever still is. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's one point two billion, which is amazing. And let's continue to talk about numbers on these things, because, as you know, one of my my second favorite company to shit on after Uber is Snapchat. I thought it was Kickstarter. <sighs> well, depends on the I day. Really, of the, depends on the day of the week. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with Kickstarter. Uh, we can go back through that old argument again. I have a problem with what people use Do Kickstarter for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. that's true. Yeah. So, you know, the basically the spin is that Snapchat is is out there and it's it's massive and and it was the originator of the evaporating photo essay or story as everybody else is calling it. <laughs> or they days. said it was even though we all knew that it wasn't. We all knew it wasn't. That didn't seem to matter for their IPO until after the IPO because it's not stock is just not doing that great. Well, the numbers are really starting to come out now. Instagram has announced that over 200 million people are using their story feature every day to share quick moments from their lives, which is 50 million more than Snapchat sees in an average day. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, Instagram, basically, as soon as they rolled out their stories, is now crushing Snapchat. And people are just Snapchat never had that big of an audience anyways. And it's not building. It's not growing. And the one thing that they had is now in every other social network. And apparently everybody's loving it and using it all the time on Instagram, which I personally see with my friends. And thank God nobody's doing it with Facebook's new version. And Facebook, why? Why? You own Instagram. Exactly. Because they shouldn't be calling it Instagram. It should be called Facebook's Instagram. Like they have Facebook Messenger. And then just. Exactly. Why duplicate the content? 
It doesn't make I sense. It doesn't make sense, but we talked about that. That was our story last week about how every social network is exactly the same these days. Yep. And, uh, and I, I, I got to concur with you. Like almost nobody is using it on Facebook. I've seen like yeah. two and they were just tests. Yeah. They're like, does this work? Yep. Okay. Never doing it again. Yeah, exactly. So stick it in, leave it and leave it in Instagram. Please don't do it in Facebook. Uh, Snapchat is having more problems. Um, a former Snap Inc. employee has claimed in a lawsuit that CEO Evan Spiegel said that Snapchat was only for rich people and that he didn't want to expand into poor countries like India and Spain. Ooh. And according to BuzzFeed, furious Indians are leaving Snapchat one star reviews in the app store because they're mad at them. Understandably, <laughs> if he really said that. Uh, his track record on saying stupid things leads me to believe he probably said it. Probably, probably. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this is the delete app of the week, you know, it's pretty <laughs> yes. much it. We used to have hack well, of the, the week. Now it's delete app of the week. It's yeah. The, the, the campaign is more give them a one star and, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, we've got plenty of one stars. We're OK with them. We're OK. They, they actually make <laughs> for good fodder. So Snap, uh, Snap just needs to have a new section on their their app. You know, one star reviews of the week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's our one star stories. So I found a new thing on ad blocking. Mm-hmm. Computer scientist Arvind Narayanan and his colleagues yes. have unveiled a new tool, and this is cool about it. Uh, it mm-hmm. uses kind of like human vision when trying to detect ads on a page. Looks yep. for you know the container sizes, which was easy. You always used to go by the IAB sizes, but now they're looking for like perceptual things like uh, sponsored links and the little tags in the corners that have like the name of the ad network. Yeah, and then it runs an ad. It's basically an ad blocker like that. And what's cool about it is they're they're trying to skip the whole like moral argument of is taking advertising out of a page, you know, morally acceptable. Well, that would make sense if your business model is removing ads. Right. But I actually I've been using this all morning now because it's out for Chrome. You can go get it for Chrome right now. And all it does is put like a a semi-transparent overlay over the ad and says what it has discovered there. And you can close it if you still want to see the ad. Oh, I kind of like that. It's really I like that nice. A lot better than just pulling it out and having a blank space in the area, or breaking the DOM and have everything not working right. You know, which yeah. happens a lot of the time. So this That's just doesn't cool. overlay. Yeah, I thought you know, you know, the ad system is cool in itself, but I think their their UI approach is what's really like groundbreaking on this. I'm like, I like that because you can still I, see where and the page renders properly, like the the text flows where it needs to flow. Mm-hmm. It's cool. You should definitely try it out. It's free right now I'm, in the Chrome store. I, I'm going to install it because not only do I like that uh, a lot more than than current ones, I also like the fact that they went with a some they decided to call it perceptual ad blocker as opposed to an artificial intelligence system. <laughs> yes, which they easily could have. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you for not doing that. Uh, Disney has a filed a patent for a huggable robot. And uh, this is actually, I mean, Disney just files patents left, right, and center anyway, so that's not the news. The news is that this is one of the first patents in a very long time that actually clearly explains exactly what they're doing, how they're going to do it, and is educational. And uh, this guy who who wrote this article, who is a patent lawyer by trade, uh, Charles Duan, he just went on and on about how fantastic this is because it's actually like information and science, and this this is how the patent office was supposed to be in the first place. And thank you, Disney, for actually being cool. <laughs> yeah, what I liked about it is like, if I really wanted to, I could go build this robot from the patent application. It's like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. nice and nice and specific. Yeah, which is the point. The point of the patent is to be that specific. And once you get approved for it, people can't just go buy it. They have to license it from you. It's the way it's supposed to work, people. <laughs> 
All right. Uber. Back to Uber. Back to Uber. Uber, Uber reportedly used a secret program called Hell to track <laughs> rival Lyft drivers. Um, a report claims that Uber's Hell software used fake Lyft passenger accounts to track the locations of its drivers. Uber reportedly used software to edit the location of each Lyft account, arranging them in a way that it was able to see the location of Lyft cars across an entire city. Sneaky. Sneaky. Um, Sneaky Petey. Not necessarily illegal, so I can't really crap on them too much. They're definitely gaming the system. Uh, man, but Lyft, Lyft was doing the same thing. Lyft was absolutely doing the same thing when they were, were in, they were in that big war about trying to take each other's drivers. Mm-hmm. They both came up with systems to do this exact same thing. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Aren't you supposed to be like driving people around? Uh, who has? I mean, this is insane. This stuff is just crazy. These people are—they have way too much money. Stop using them, people. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. And a new study came out from, I don't know why my voice is not working today, economists at Princeton, the University of Rochester, and the University of Chicago, suggesting a strong link between electronic leisure activities and unemployment rates for men in their 20s. Apparently, (laughs) if you spend a lot of time as a millennial playing video games, you don't have a fucking job. And this is, (laughs) they, they needed a study for this? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, because it helps to be able to point to a study and say, I'm not just a grumpy old man shouting from my rocking chair about getting a job. Now it's proven. We just used to call <laughs> these people slackers. Yeah. Now there's a lot of them. So yeah. Uh, next will be a new study. Uh, smoking marijuana leads to, to getting the munchies. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah we know this. Th- we know this stuff. This is not new. Okay. According to the data, the employment rate for young men without a college education has dropped considerably since 2000, and a lot of these unemployed men aren't married, live with their parents or other family members. They have no work, no responsibility, and have more time for leisure activities, and gaming takes up to 75% of that time. In fact, the report suggests that up to one-third of the decline in work hours done by men in this group can be attributed to the increased use of technology for entertainment. So, God damn, unbelievable. Sounds like winning to me. <laughs> winning, I know. These kids are living at home, not working, and just playing video games all day. They're yeah. On Twitch or whatever that service is. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. <laughs> they, they, they've mastered the system. I think, you know, they're probably yeah. the smartest of the bunch. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Good yeah. on them. I could only play video games after I came home from my, like, you know, 12-hour shift at McDonald's covered in grease and sweat. But <laughs> these guys have it figured out. Yes, they do. So we talked about the the New Zealand program that they had to fly 100 developers in. Yeah. They were expecting about 2,500 applications, but they got more than 48,000. <laughs> well, you know, to be fair, I don't think they expected the PR buzz that it got because everybody picked up on the story. Yeah. I'm <laughs> and surprised everybody it's only 48,000. Everybody else also kind of figured out this is a free vacation because it's not like you're required to take one of the jobs. Yep. <laughs> Because uh, uh, people from uh, companies like Google, Amazon, Facebook, MIT, and NASA were applying to go down. I'm like, hmm. So New Zealand is like looking at uh, becoming like a tech haven. They've always wanted to be one, but now uh, it, this might be their opportunity. Everybody seems to be moving to New Zealand. That's uh, apparently where all the super rich people have their uh, hideaway islands when things go boom. Which is good because then maybe they'll get it wired with better internet. Everything I've like heard from people is the internet there sucks, which is a big problem. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm not moving there anytime anyways. Uh, why not? Why not? Well, yeah. Go play Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Oh, that's right. You're the Harry Potter guy. Well, my, that's the wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just reminds I'm, me of that South Park episode. Where they're I'm, I'm going to go to Star Wars land. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Which we will talk about later. I found a really cool article in Wired on uh, the chip revolution that mm-hmm. uh, is pushing VR 
and uh, in some cases, AI. Yes, they're saying mm-hmm. AI. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. all about mm-hmm. these custom chips that are being built now. Right. And uh, it's a really interesting read if you're like into it because, of, you know, the programmers now are having to program for different types of processors. Like our day. Shit. Yeah. We got we got one choice. <laughs> That's it. We got a CPU. And then, yep. you know, the game guys were doing GPUs and now they've got these programmable uh, GPU units or chip chipset units that, you know, you can program after the fact and you don't have to burn stuff onto the ROMs. And it's like, you know, oh, here, here, have a chip, put whatever you want on it, which scares me from a hacking perspective. But yeah. um, I'm sure they can be frozen at some point. But anyway, it's a, it's a good read if you're interested in um, how, how things are progressing from a hardware perspective. I want to go spend some more time with it because it definitely made me think about uh, uh, how hard it's going to be in the future for programming, how more specialized everybody's going to be just because you, you're going to have to with all the, I mean, there's it, programming is not getting easier. It's getting harder. So yeah, there definitely is. A, and they're, you know, it, sure. Eventually there'll be custom programming engines built for these sorts of things, but not at the beginning. And uh, yeah, once you get to that point, it's you're that's, that's where the money is. It's at the beginning. Spring is actually almost here. It's time to cue the happy music and bask in spontaneous fits of joy. Unless, of course, you're a freelancer or creative entrepreneur who isn't ready for tax time. Seriously, if you're someone who struggles with tax stuff, then listen up. Our friends at FreshBooks have just launched their all-new ridiculously simple cloud accounting software that helps service-based small business owners get a handle on their paperwork. FreshBooks keeps all your cash flow details in one place so you know exactly what invoices you've sent, who's paid what, and what your income is. Their mobile app lets you take pictures of your receipts and organizes them for later, which makes claiming expenses at tax time a breeze. The best part about using FreshBooks is that feeling of zen you'll have when tax time does come around. You'll be so much more prepared and way less stressed, so much so that you too may be inspired to bust out a little springtime jig. Right now, FreshBooks is offering a free 30-day trial to our listeners. Just go to FreshBooks.com grumpy and enter grumpy old geeks in the how did you hear about us section. That's FreshBooks.com grumpy and enter grumpy old geeks in the how did you hear about us section for a free 30-day trial. Security? Ha! We are back once again for our security ha segment uh, with Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire. Uh, Jason is not here right now. He is changing Bam Bam's diapers. <laughs> I, I know that's Poor the Bam usual Bam. excuse when I can't make it. <laughs> I'm sure Bam Bam needs a, needs a treat or needs a walk or maybe just a little snuggle. But I'm sure Jason will be back soon enough. But for the time being, it's just you and me. Yes, and we are busy trying to hack his Chinese uh, camera equipment at the moment. So That's right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, so we can watch him snuggling with Bam Bam. Oh, God, yes. If anybody wants that, I'll be charging nine ninety five a month. bambamsnugglecam.com so i had asked you before i i've just returned from traveling overseas and i'd asked you before that for uh kind of the the you know point by point what i should do since since uh since our new administration has been talking a big talk about uh basically searching people's smartphones asking for social network passwords and whatnot uh right. as you cross over international borders now this is uh theoretically not for us citizens but one never knows what might happen uh, on a daily basis these days uh yeah, so well, and, uh, and we yeah. heard uh, just this week we heard um homeland security reported that um there's twice as many 
uh, searches of mobile devices as there were, you know, last year. The, the rate of searches has basically doubled. Yeah, yeah. So I had, uh, you know, some degree of concern over this. Not that there's anything on my phone, and then this gets back into Jason and I's ongoing argument uh, about who was the person that initially said, "If you're not doing anything wrong, it doesn't matter." But seriously, again with this. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it ended up being uh, much ado about nothing. Uh, obviously, traveling. Oh, I went to Canada this time, uh, uh-huh. and traveling over, uh, they were not concerned at all. I mean, I guess their theory is, what are you going to do? Steal our strategic patine reserves? Uh, come on in. <laughs> we're fine. Right, right. Uh, the concern was coming back over to the U.S. border, and and uh-huh. I I did as little as I could, which basically just involved. I figured if I delete all the social media apps off my phone. Perhaps the cursory look, if they even ask for that, will just go, well, I guess this guy's not on Facebook. Okay, fine. Right. Uh, so I did that. I, I was never searched, never even asked anything. Um, I do have a, su- a suspicion that's not so much because uh, they didn't find me concerning or anything like that because I've. I'm always the one that gets the secondary screening and that sort of stuff for whatever reason. You just have that look about you? Uh, apparently I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, that has gone away since I've gotten the Nexus card, which I do highly recommend to people that travel internationally often because there is a certain degree of, okay, we've done our due diligence on you. Um, okay. But I think it's more because nobody knows what the hell they're supposed to be doing. There seems to be pretty mass confusion everywhere from – Every level of security as I was traveling, particularly coming in through American Customs and Border Patrol, uh, to the point where one person will tell me, you have to go into that line. And then I go over to that line and I say, but I have the Nexus card. And then I get punted back to the previous line. Um, Laptop out, laptop not out. Uh, We're going to need you to turn on your phone. You don't need to turn on your phone. So, oh, interesting! Wow. Yeah, there. Uh, for a while, it wasn't looking good because they even mentioned the phone to begin with. But then the next person I got to didn't seem concerned at all. So I think it's more there's some very confusing marching orders that are going on at the moment. Um, so I will caution people: uh, there is a possibility that even as a U.S. citizen, they will ask to see your phone. At this point, uh, it does seem to be who you get. <laughs> and if you say something and say, do I have to, then the next person comes along and says, no, of course you don't. So how different was it from flying domestically, you know, the routine sort of security that we all go through just flying within the country? Um, uh, it's vastly different, obviously. I mean, you can basically just whip out a driver's license flying domestically. When you fly internationally, you have to go through border and customs control. So they want to see right. passport. Uh, you know, the, you typically have to, if you're not a Nexus member, you're filling out that long sheet that says uh, mm-hmm. where you've been, what address you're going to, what address you're coming from. Um uh, How long you were in the country? Did you go to any other countries? Did you ever see a goat? Uh, did you walk on farmlands? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's rather right. insane questions, but, uh, you know, for certain health reasons, I can see why, particularly when bird flu was happening and things like that. Uh, right. you know, these things never drop off the list of questions that they ask. They just add more and more on. So I see. Perhaps this would be a good case for the administrations. Let's get rid of two rules before we put a new one in. That might work really <laughs> well for customs questioning. Um, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I, I will. Yeah, I will say that 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 there does seem to be a lot of confusion, and they are definitely stepping up what they used to do, even internationally, in terms of searches. Now, I haven't actually done a domestic flight recently, so I don't know if that's increased in the last year or so, uh, in terms of if there's any searches at all domestically. I'd imagine there probably are, I, I but I don't know. So. 
Yeah, I haven't heard of of domestic searches of mobile devices for U.S. citizens. Um, but and I've been doing some traveling lately, and and the the, the you know it's all been pretty routine. The, the standard sort of you know take off your shoes, take out your laptop, you know go through the scanner, and uh, you know thank you very much, off you go is pretty much what I've seen, and haven't seen anything what I would consider out of the ordinary or different from what I've seen in past years. I guess is the most important thing. Doesn't I haven't sensed any major changes uh, with the new administration when it comes to domestic travel, but right. uh, but who knows. Yeah, yeah. So it's something I, I definitely think we're going to keep an eye on in this segment because uh, if you do a lot of travel and a lot of people do for a living these days, especially overseas, it's uh, it can really screw up your day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or Absolutely. even domestically, as uh, certain people on United found out this week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So what else do we have? Uh, as part of that, I saw a really interesting article on Boing Boing this uh, this morning, actually, called a, a program called master prints uh synthetic yeah. synthetic fingerprints that can unlock up to 65 percent of phones in theory so this is the whole concept of you know we're using biometrics now on our iphones uh and we just kind of assume that they're quite secure but all they really are are very low resolution snapshots uh loosely matching it to stored images uh and that's how you get into your phone all the time which is supposed to be much more secure than your six digit code uh what we're discovering is not so much because there's the Masterprint paper, which lays out a bunch of different uh, rough images of thumbnails that purportedly will work on almost 65% of devices to open them up. Yeah, it's an interesting article, um, and, and it's exactly the way you describe it. I, I had always heard that um, the touch sensor access on a f- on the phones was better than nothing, but not better than a six-digit code. <laughs> Right. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, and, and by the way, you know, a four digit code, if you're interested in security, four digits ain't enough. Um, six is much better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, I, I think for a lot of people, what the fingerprint scanner did was brought convenience to quick login. So it's sort of a better than nothing level of security without keeping the phone unlocked. Right. Qu- quick access. Mm-hmm. You know, without the, uh, the 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 burden of having to enter the four or six digits every time you log into your phone, but um, better than nothing. So, like but, the the phone equivalent of making your passwords, uh, you know, some sort of six digit character thing with a couple numbers that you use all the time, as opposed to using one password with randomized, incredibly long strings. Better than nothing, but not really good. Right, right, but but sort of you know looping back to to your point about international travel, I think there there's an important legal distinction here, which is that courts have ruled that they can coerce you to provide your fingerprint, but they cannot coerce you to provide a password. Right. So <laughs> if you're someone who's interested in uh, privacy and security from that point of view, you actually have a stronger legal defense if you're using a password than using your fingerprint. Right. And I, I would actually add as a note here, too, if you do any of these sort of uh, trusted traveler programs like Nexus, and there's a couple of other ones for different countries, and there's even one for traveling domestically, although I don't know why you'd pay for that at the moment. Uh, part of that process is they take your fingerprints. So your fingerprints are already on file. So if you're only using a fingerprint for your phone, and you are a Nexus traveler, and they want to open up your phone, they have your fingerprint already. Oh, yeah, good point. Good point. So Yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is. 
Yeah, so right. we'll, uh, we'll follow up on that more as we hear more. Uh, we have a comment from a listener that uh, came specifically from us talking about Mac hacks uh, a couple of weeks yes. back. This is from Reed. I'm going to bullet point it because he wrote quite a lot. Uh, he said he was very interested in hearing about the Mac hacks. Uh, he is both a Mac and PC user before he became an engineer. Uh, then he switched to Mac because they have their benefits. He was trying to think why no one has a personal experience with Mac hacking, uh, which is what we asked people to write in if they did. And right. he, he also has no personal experience and none was mentioned about <laughs> right, anybody right. ever doing it, but he had some theories. Uh, first is maybe some of the listeners' friends have been hacked, but they made the mistake. Uh, they made mistake the hack for the slowing down and eventual decline of their computer. If the malware remains hidden, the hackers can keep getting more and more information. Uh, I would file this under unlikely as we haven't heard any of that on a Mac either. Uh, at least I haven't. Um, that is a persistent problem with PCs and that's whether you got hacked or not. They just tend to yeah. get bogged down and slow down over time. Max that's infrastructure true. tends to be better. Um, I, it's true. I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone you know, having to take their computer to the Apple store just because it, it slowed down. I, I think this is what he's describing is plausible. I think it's a little sort of like, uh, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. All right. What else? Uh, secondly, many of us live in our bubbles in Silicon Valley, LA, New York, etc., and have jobs in tech or creative industries. So we think it's very common for people to own Mac computers. However, the vast majority of the world uses PCs because they don't have stock money from Snapchat. I'm going to let him keep his jokes in there uh, to blow out a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Hackers aren't as inclined to spend hours creating viruses to infect a small percentage of the market. I, I think we did touch on that, and that's yeah. there's certainly truth to that. The the high end market is is definitely more Mac heavy. Uh, low end right. market is definitely PC, and and that's you know that started the whole conversation that we had anyways about you know the Mac people back in the day used to laugh at PC people because ha huh, nobody ever writes a virus for us. Yeah, well your system also cost five times as much as mine did, so that was. <laughs> That was the old right. argument. So right, right, yeah, right. So it's. A, I, I think. I think this point is 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 right on. It's accurate. Uh, the hackers are going to go after the larger market. Yeah, uh, certainly. But I think you combine that with the what I think is perceived and and accurately described as uh, stronger built-in security in a lot of ways, just from the design of the Mac OS. That that sort of double whammy makes it a little safer right out of the box. Yeah, and I actually got interested in this at, at this point about usage share uh, for things because I hadn't seen uh -huh. statistics in a while. So I, of course, Googled and went to yeah. Wikipedia on this. And if you really want to build a virus, right now your, your target market is Android. Uh, now, obviously, this lumps together smartphones, tablets, laptops, and PCs all together, and it's by a firm called Gartner, which is a very yep. large research and advisory firm. Uh, yep. But right now, as of 2017, 54.16% of market share is Android. Which is sales, which is shot, yeah, and twelve percent as is Mac, and eleven percent is Windows. So, uh, you know, that's that's some interesting statistics. But it's a, you're, it's kind of a different beast when you're talking phones versus PCs. But that yeah. gap is closing these days pretty fast. So. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And then as a final point, which kind of leads off the last, is almost every company distributes PCs to their employers. Um, companies have more money and more willing to pay hackers ransom to get their information back than a freelancer like Jason. And again, because he's making fun of Jason, I'll leave his jokes in. However, knowing <laughs> Jason, he'd probably pay a good amount of money to get those precious pictures of Bam Bam back. Um, yes. Yeah, fair J enough. There's, yes, there'd be no amount of money Jason wouldn't willing wouldn't be willing to pay <laughs> to get his precious pictures of Bam Bam back. Yes. No no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think all valid points, we, we touched on a lot of them. Um, 
doesn't really answer our query, though. So we're still interested. If there is anybody out there that is aware of of ever being hacked on a Mac or an iPhone or your computer slowing down because you've been taken over by malware, we want to hear about it. Right. Yeah. I, you know, and I have seen um, pop-ups on Macs that, you know, the, the scammy pop-ups that say, your computer's infected, you know, please call us now and we'll fix it for you. Yeah. But of course, they're, you know, that you're actually not infected. It's just a run-of-the-mill sort of garden variety scam. Yep. So, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, well, to that point, uh, just the, just this week, a uh, story came by uh, that we covered that uh, there's a new breed of Mac ransomware. Well, well, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> as if as if on cue. Um, and again, interesting because this is uh, the second piece of ransomware ever that that's known uh, to affect. Max, right. Um, the first one was called Key Ranger. That was um, found about oh, a year ago, back in March of 2016. But this new one uh, is called oh gosh, what's the name of it? Oh, it's called Find Zip. Um, right. But but what's interesting about it is you really have to want to be infected by this to to well. To, to be infected. Yeah. You, you are already up to no good, uh, so to speak, to have this affect you. Yes. This is something that uh, back in my younger days when I couldn't quite afford some software, I would have explored on my PC and had to be yep. very careful about. And now it's come yep. to Mac. So basically, if you are trying to get your free copy of Photoshop um, and are surfing those sites in Sweden that we often discuss on the show, uh, you might get a very bad one. And now this affects Mac as well. So you were, you were basically telling this program, yes, you may have access to the inner workings of my PC or my Mac in this case. And, uh, it does so. (laughs) Yeah. So not only, you know, so you're already in the process of trying to crack some software. So you go and you download this and this, and this software pretends to be basically a crack for, for example, the Adobe Creative Suite, something like that, that, you know, something that people desire. And you run this and it's, it says that it's a patcher for that or for Office or, you know, one of those big software suites. But when you tell it to start, it says, okay, it's going to take about 10 minutes to crack the software. Um, and then it just starts encrypting things on your hard drive and uh, then tells you if you want to unlock this stuff, please send money to this address. <laughs> now, the report back on this is that even if you send them the money, they're not going to send you anything to unlock your files. Right. So back up your files. Uh, the good news, if there is any, is well, I guess it's double good news. The good news round number one is that, again, this is you got to really want to have this stuff installed. <laughs> you have to j- basically jump through hoops to have this ransomware affect your computer. Not only do you have to download this patcher, when you try to run it, uh, you'll get a pop-up screen that says, hey, we don't know where this is from. You know, the standard Mac thing that says, this is insecure. You sure you want to run this? And you have to do that. Well, to be fair, if you're <laughs> if you're doing step one, you're going to probably go ahead and do that second step because you're yeah, not, I'm not assuming that Mac is going to say, hey, this thing that's going to let you get that illegal software is totally cool with us. Yeah, that's true. No, that that that's a good point. You're already wrapped up in the thrill of uh, <laughs> soon you're going to have that free copy of the Adobe uh, Creative Suite. So yeah. nothing's going to stop you from 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 pressing go. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the other good news is that uh, they have come out with a decryptor for this. There's a there's a decryption uh, methodology that's available online. So if you do find yourself a victim of this, 
uh, all hope is not lost. There is a way to get your stuff back beyond just regular backup. But it, like we say, backup. Yeah, it would be quite funny if actually Adobe was hosting the decryptor. So then they would also, <laughs> as you download, they find your IP address and make a phone call. Right, 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 right. We'll give you all your files back for the low, low price of one copy of the Adobe Creative Suite, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, just beware. But again, to our, to our larger point, uh, these Mac attacks seem to be fewer and farther between. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I don't hear about it. Um, I've never had an issue anytime I've ever used a Mac versus PC when even, you know, running security software, knowing what I'm doing, I would get infected with malware. And it was just part of a process of owning a PC that you would scan and and delete stuff and quarantine stuff on basically a weekly basis. Uh, wow. That doesn't exist on a Mac. So Yeah, no, it really doesn't. Yeah. All right, and finally this week, uh, boy, I love this article. This, is, this came by on Motherboard. Uh, the article is called How to Illegally Build an Internet-Connected PC in Prison. Right. <laughs> so five inmates in, a, in an Ohio prison were caught with a functioning Internet-connected computer in the ceiling that they were using uh, for tax fraud, porn, and drug recipes. Um, I just love everything about this story. It, yeah, it, there's nothing bad about this story at all. Uh, it was one of my favorites, and when I saw you popped it in, I was quite pleased. <laughs> this is just genius. I mean, the fact that uh, these guys were taking, I believe, some sort of uh, basic computer class, uh, right. were smart enough to only steal parts on a relatively like slow basis. They didn't just try to steal the whole computer. We'll just take one card here, one check there. They got there. all the time in the world. Yeah, yep. <laughs> all and, the time uh, in the world. Now, they're in a medium security place, so they have some freedoms that people in a more secure place wouldn't have. Fair. That's definitely fair. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what I, I love, one of the things I love about this is that it took the staff of the prison about a month to locate the actual devices in the ceiling um, <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, the, the the inmates were given the ability to run wires around the facility um, to be used for uh, cameras, right. uh, closed circuit cameras. They were they were using the inmates, you know, for free slash cheap labor to to do all sorts of things around the facility. So in the process of doing this authorized thing, running cameras, um, they were also <laughs> running Ethernet cables and. Because so when because when you let prisoners build their own prison, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so it was it was uh, triggered by a. They were discovered because uh, some of the. I think they were using WebSense software um, to just keep an eye on the networks in the prison, as you do. And they found a computer that was on the network that had a, a name that didn't match any of the appropriate names in the system was making all kinds of calls to all kinds of things that shouldn't have been called from a prison computer. And, uh, but again, it took them a month to find the computers. But the, just... the thing that really kills me too about this yeah. is actually for all the genius that these five prisoners showed building this and putting this all together, they were brought down by stupidity. They had the tools. It says that they had all these hacking tools. So they were aware of the names of every other computer on the network and they did not choose one to fit in. Well, that's a good point too. That's a good point. I mean, and, and that's but that's an important point is that not only did they just have access to the outside world, it's not like they just had this computer set up so that they could watch porn or whatever else they wanted to do, check their email, you know, <laughs> communicate with the outside world. Yeah. No, they had access to the in-house 
network. They had they they had uh, login credentials. They had they had access to the prison computers. So they were printing up passes or generating you know passes for people to be able to have access to different parts of the the prison. They had their own little uh, industry going there. Yeah, and they and and a lot of it it says in the article they they learned from the classes. <laughs> that they that were they were holding inside the prison, which to me is kind of like having a you know, sort of like having a prison have a uh, a lock picking and safe cracking <laughs> class. <laughs> what, what could possibly go wrong, right? <laughs> exactly. It's it's kind of insane to me. I would love to. These classes are probably more advanced than I mean, b- based on some of the software that they were using, they know more about hacking systems than I do. Like, and That's they right. must have been taught these in these classes. Unbelievable. <laughs> and again, when you have all the time in the world, you can be really patient and get what you want. Yeah, so. this is a great story. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, and yeah. I'm sure nobody will learn a lesson. I, I can't wait to hear more about this. Right. right. There are probably prisoners all over the country who are now just figuring out where where's a better place to hide the computer they already have running than in the ceiling. I'm sure it's being discussed on their Reddit group. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, that's what we got for this week. Uh, thanks yeah. very much. And, Thank you. Uh, we'll see you next time. We will see you next time. And Jason will be back in the fold with a dog barking in the background. At the library. I went on a bit of a binge read this last week. Uh, it helped that I was on planes because that's always a good place to read. It also helped that I was uh, at the in-laws in Toronto with not much to do. So and and a built-in babysitter with a built-in babysitter that was awesome. So uh, I went on a Scalzi rampage. I finished the Ghost Brigades, which is Old Men's War Book Two. I was uh, halfway through that or something when we had the podcast. Uh, then I read Book Three, The Last Colony. Then I skipped Book Four. Uh, what what's her face's story? Because you told me that 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 was basically a young adult's version of book three. Yep, exactly. Uh, so I did not read that. So uh, then I also finished the Human Division book five, mm-hmm. and I'm halfway through the end of all things, which is book six. Uh, didn't didn't I, I we don't... have an episode about not binging series not too long ago? We did, and I have a I have a I have a point with that one. Okay, this is it. Actually, went well with this particular series because every single book focused on different characters, but they are all interconnected. And it actually, I I enjoyed doing it because, again, like I said, the the, the perspectives and the character main characters in each book was different. But I think I would have forgotten the connecting threads because they were so subtle if I had given like a month or two in between each book. So it actually worked out very, very well for this series, and it flowed together pretty good. So I can't complain about it. I actually think it was good to read this series straight through. Now, my question, did you finish the series? Did you finish book six, End of All Things? Yes, I'm all done with it. I finished it It, uh, last week. Is it the end of all things, or will there be a seven? He's done. It's, It's wrapped. All right. All right. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So I'm about halfway through, so I'll look forward to that, I suppose. Mm hmm. And uh, then you can just jump into the the new world or the new series with the new universe. I reviewed that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, we'll see. This is where I think I'll take a break from Scalzi. I, I think recommend that. Makes that. sense to, yeah. to go go away, read something else, and then come back to it later. But I've really got to recommend Old Man's War. I know that you know we talked about the first book, and then you had forgotten that you read the second one, and we weren't sure about it. <laughs> now that I've just burned through all these, it's a great series. It is. I mean, it really, a, it's really good. <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun. It's it's a great universe. Uh, a lot of interesting things going on. 
So, but I will take a break from Scalzi, and I've got some coming soon's to uh, talk about really quickly that I will probably read. Uh, first, my favorite stand-up comedian of all time, Eddie Izzard, or Izzard, depending on how you want to pronounce it, has a memoir coming out called "Believe Me: A Memoir of Love, Death, and Jazz Chickens." Okay. That will be out uh, <laughs> June thirteenth, so I will be picking that up. Uh, and reading it as well. And uh, we've got a new Charlie Strauss uh, Laundry Files novel coming out July 11th, uh, The Delirium Brief. And since I've caught up and read the first seven of the series, this is this will be number eight. I will probably be picking that up and going back to do that. I will be doing that one as well. Now, uh, we're both glossing over something that is missing from this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the new Daniel Suarez book. Oh, right. I did finish that. And it was so unremarkable that I don't care. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Unfortunately, yes, I totally forgot about that. I did read it. I couldn't even tell you what it was really about right now. Oh, man, that 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 sucks. Did you finish it? (laughs) No, because I was on the road and it's a real book and I can't I can't audio book that. So, yeah, uh, Um, like I said, I was I was doing stuff. So it's not like I could just uh, sit on a plane and read. So I'm going to I'm going to finish it. But at this point, I believe it came out already. So I'm just going to audible it and go from there. That's really actually quite funny that I totally forgot about it. Wow. Yeah, I thought <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe you just uh, got so into the Scalzi books because we talked about it that you uh, just didn't even uh, want to go finish it. But that's interesting that it, it's that unremarkable. That's too bad. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to even remember a vague plot point right now, and, and there's a couple things floating to mind. It, it was all so the gene it, hacking stuff. and the, Yeah, it was the gene hacking stuff. It, it wasn't bad, just not remarkable. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, I did get to read Treasure Island while I was in the car or listen to Treasure Island. I'd okay. never I'd never read it as a kid. Wow. So you have really missed out on some of like the basic standard classics. Well, I, I got to read Where the Red Fern Grows and some of those when I was in school. <laughs> but yeah, Treasure Island was never one of them because I wasn't really a pirate guy. Bob was the right. pirate guy. So yeah. but after I finished Black Sails, I really wanted to go since that was a prequel to Treasure Island, I wanted to go see what the original book was like and how they made black sales into the prequel for it. And, uh, uh, it, it's, it flowed. It definitely flowed. So right. it picked up, you know, i like, I knew the main characters who they were. I knew the backstory then of all of the pirates that they talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it was that great of a book though, sadly. <laughs> uh, I suppose there's a reason, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a classic. I don't know how well it's aged. Uh, it's one of those ones where you did mention it. And so that immediately kicked up some other thoughts in my mind. I mean, even Disney didn't do a straight up interpretation of it. So there could be an argument made that maybe it didn't age well. Uh, when Disney did it in 2002, they futurized it and made it Treasure Planet, mm. um, which I bring up because friend of the show, John Resnick, uh, did the theme song for that. Oh, cool. I'm still here. So I threw that in the notes as well. You can listen to his solo song, which was the theme song for uh, the Disney movie. Oh, I'll check that out for sure. I like John. He's but, a good guy. But don't watch the movie because it kind of sucked. Oh, I won't. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> that was never on my radar. I'll listen to I'll listen to his theme song. But yeah. And, and on the aging thing, the fact that it was written like, you know, in the 1890s. Yes. Um, and for listening to it in the 2017, you know, over <laughs> over 100 plus years later. I would say that it actually held up pretty well. Okay. Um, the, I think the only problem I had with it was the characters in Black Sail were way better than the characters in Treasure Island. Like, if I was just reading Treasure Island, I probably thought it was a great book, but I've got all of the history from Black Sail to tie into it. So, right. I know it's not, uh, I know this is not a nerdy pick, so we should probably move on. But I, <laughs> you know, I recommend 
just going through them all goes soup to nuts from black sales to treasure island it is a it is a worthwhile endeavor but now i'm going to move on to the americans because it's time yes and quite good mm-hmm. ups and doodads as you know i currently have a child yes i've heard a little bit about that yes um and i i've been getting more and more I, I, he's too young at this point but i'm starting to look into you know the tablets and and what people are doing that have slightly older kids and how they deal with that and apparently I, my sister bunch of friends everybody is is amazon has really locked up this eco structure pretty well uh, people aren't handing their kids ipads they're getting uh the fire kids edition tablets over to them um for good reasons, there's a couple of things that are, are happening there. Amazon's moderators approve everything kids can access on the device, uh, which includes more than 8,000 books, uh, 40,000 whitelisted web pages, and a bunch of different apps that you can download. Uh, and Amazon has now launched a parent dashboard uh, at parents.amazon.com that can be accessed from any web browser, which basically uh, tracks and <laughs> does all kinds of creepy things in terms of monitoring everything that's happening on that tablet, mm. which you want as a parent. So fair enough. Uh, breakdown of time spent, uh, how many minutes the kid is using the tablet, what they're spending their time doing. Is it reading? Is it videos? Is it an app? What app? Blah, blah, blah. So this is all pretty cool. Um, uh, kudos to Amazon. They really saw this market and they ran with it. Um, I don't know anybody that uses their their tablets really for anything else, but everybody that's got a kid has got one. I know a lot of people that use the Kindle Fires uh, because I gave away a lot of them at Christmas because they were like 40 bucks. Right. And I think that's what really, you know, works for the kids. I mean, those those fire tablets are cheap and they're yeah. durable. They're extremely durable. Well, and the, the level of control when you're a parent as well. The fact that, you know, first, yeah, they're cheap. So you're not buying a $400 iPad and handing it to your kid. But there's also very limited qu- content that they can get. So, you know, as opposed to an iPad where who knows what your kid's going to download. Yeah. I mean, you can put on parental controls, but it's not the same thing. You know, no, it's not so. That's pretty and cool. And then, uh, yeah, the other thing that I saw, Jason, because I know you love your 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 one purpose websites. Yes, I do. Uh, yeah. Well, is Trump at Mar-a-Lago dot org? Okay. <laughs> you click on it, and it tells you yes or no. Uh, well, I think uh, there are five days out of the week where, it, or four and a half days out of the week, where it will say no, and uh, two yes. and a half days out of the week where it will say yes. Yes. Well, yeah, I clicked on it right now. Is Trump at Mar-a-Lago? Yes. Uh, that good. makes seven weekends out of thirteen as president. There you go. There you go. Uh huh. Not saying anything else. Moving along. Plenty of other information a little further down on that page if you really want to get upset. Media candy. Big news on Friday, Jason. Oh, what happened? What happened? The last Jedi trailer dropped. Well, teaser trailer. They're not calling it the official trailer, it's the first teaser trailer. For the last Jedi, but it's like two minutes. It's like two minutes long, so it's not short. I know <laughs> it's quite long, but uh, I, I loved it. gave me gave me the bo- the goosey bumpies, the goosey bumpies. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was very good. I'm very excited about this movie. Yeah, me too. The last one was fun. This will be this will be fun too. So, yep, I'm gonna get my 3D on for this. I, I try and avoid the 3D, but when there's space battles involved, I, I generally like the 3D. I will not be doing 3D. I will find any non-3D theater to see it. <laughs> well, you know, the fake characters do look better in 3D, so you don't... That's uh... what people keep telling me. But theoretically, again, this is J.J. Abrams. He does not. Uh, he does practical effects. There will not be any resurrected holographic characters in this movie. Okay, what's the, so what's the difference between the last one? I thought he did the last one as well. 
Well, I thought you were talking about like Rogue One, like the oh, Grandma Tarkin. And I, that, that, you know what? That's right. I forgot. I forgot that it see? wasn't a straight run. Go. Okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. There, there will be no, there will be no of the, none of those characters will be showing up in this movie. Okay. So we got no, uh, no, uh, resurrected Han Solo coming back. Eh? Sad tear. No. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, in that vein, this doesn't really go in media candy, but it kind of does. Uh, Disney is starting to show off a lot more of Star Wars land, and it's looking yeah. looking pretty good. The concept art is pretty fantastic. I, I really they're they're building it both here in California and then also in Orlando. I have a feeling the Orlando one is going to be a lot more intense, uh, just because they have the space, yeah, um, to do it. Uh, Honestly, but, they should uh, just I've... bulldoze Disney in in L.A. and just make it Star Wars land. That should be it. I agree. <laughs> I would be totally fine. Yeah, with that. fuck the Matterhorn, get it out of there. Hell, buy my parents' house for a lot of money and bulldoze that stuff down and expand. There you go. Because my parents live five minutes away from Disneyland. Anyways, uh, it looks fantastic. I'm very excited about the Millennium Falcon uh, ride that supposedly is going to be in both parks. Uh, I can't wait, but apparently I'm going to have to because it's this is a ways away still. Sadly. Yeah, but you know what? The timing is going to be really good to take your son. I know it's going to be actually perfect. He will be the right age. So this is all set to open in 2019. So that will be a good time. Mm-hmm. Very excited. So I caught up with The Expanse because we talked last week and I hadn't been able to see it because Siffy was getting pretty smart with her VPN blocking. Uh, but I did catch up. I don't want to talk about it uh, too much because basically there's the finale episode coming this week. So I figure we'll just wrap it up next week, right? Sounds like a good plan. And I saw that you yeah. put this in here. So I watched... The latest episode this morning because I was driving when it was on this week and I got it on YouTube TV Oh, since I signed up for it. I'm like, I, I put in a bunch of stuff in my watch lists and all that. And so I can go back mm-hmm. and watch, you know, shows that I missed because I, you know, I got to watch the Caesar Milan show because he's got a new one on Nat Geo because I got a dog and I got to do that. Um, uh-huh. Now, here we go. Yes. <laughs> YouTube TV is definitely a first-gen product. You know when they say, if you're not embarrassed by your first release, then you release too late? Yeah. They released right on time, because they should be embarrassed <laughs> as hell about this thing. I'm, I'm watching it from my iPhone, so I try mm-hmm. and then airplay it to my Apple TV. Mm-hmm. No go. Can't do it. Right. Tried it from the iPad. No, I can get audio, at least, when I do it with the iPad, but it shuts the video off completely. You can't get the video to the TV. Unless, of course, be... you get a, a Chrome crack. <laughs> Unless you get a, a Chromecast. Chromecast. Yep. I was about to say that may be a feature because that is what they're building into all the Time Warner cable spectrum apps and all that sort of thing. Because uh, they want to, you know, f- at least for the cable companies, they want you to, to spend the money on an extra box. So they don't want you to be able to toss things from your from your from the apps to the, another TV. Yep. And the interesting thing is when you sign up for your first paid month of YouTube TV, they send mm-hmm. you a free Chromecast. Okay. So it's a $35 <laughs> Chromecast. So you basically get two months free so far with a Chromecast. You know, or you like if you bought, it's like paying for the Chromecast and two months free of YouTube TV. Now, yeah. here's some other issues with it. Com- mm-hmm. Commercials are ridiculous on this thing. Um, I'm watching Caesar Milan show. There are six commercial breaks, about two minutes each. And apparently the 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 inventory for the ads is so low, uh, they're running two ads back to back, the same ad for the show I'm watching. Twelve minutes is a lot of commercial too. It's, it's That's the a same lot. It well, it's a forty four minute show plus it's right. it's standard commercial time for a one hour show. You're still right. stuck watching the same amount of commercials, which and there's no option to you know pay for commercials to be removed like on Hulu. 
I watch everything on my DVR and I just fast forward through them. Can't do that. You're locked into yeah. watching the ads on this, which sucks. I haven't watched. And yeah, I am technically watching it on the DVR because I'm watching. I went to the first episode of the Caesar Milan show and I like could not skip the ads. Second problem. If I'm watching a show and I stop in the middle and I go back, it will not remember where I was, which is right. like ghetto ghetto that that needs to be that's that's if there was only one feature that needs to be the one yep does not does not show you how much you watch at least on on every other streaming service it remembers exactly where you were and it'll just jump right back to it Mm -hmm. and in the other thing is when you go back to these and it doesn't like if you want to pick up right where you left off it still plays the pre-roll ads and then you have to swipe and it will play another ad before it kicks up again because you've skipped ads it is it is ad horrific and for 35 bucks a month I'd like a little less ads, but this is for the remnant stuff. The live TV stuff, I only watched a little bit so far, Mm -hmm. but it's cool that I can watch live TV now, you know, for all my networks around here. There's a lot of features about it that I like that will actually, that um, has more than Hulu does for me. So I can, I can ditch the Hulu account now if I stick with this. Um, And I was going to ditch the YouTube TV because of the fact that I can't watch it on my TV and I got to watch it on my computer or my tablet or whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. But since they're giving me a free Chromecast... I guess I'll stick with it and and dump Hulu. So sorry, Hulu. I'll, I'm going to deal with the ads, but it just gives how me much a is, chance to go get a pee <laughs> here and there. How much is Hulu per month, though? I think it's thirteen ninety nine. But YouTube is thirty five a month. Right, That's a significant pricing. But there's significantly more content. Right. So I, I get well, so I get the Sci Fi Channel again. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that I get and, and all of the regular channels like all my regular TV like you know I got to watch yeah. Chicago Fire and Chicago PD and and uh, I get the late shows again so it's it's a balance and for the yeah. money it still keeps me from cable so thirty five bucks a month is still better than another like ninety five bucks a month and having to deal with the install and the contract and the contract is what I hate and renting the boxes and all that crap so yep I get you yeah so far I mean I'll just stick with it but. Uh, between that and uh, HBO Now, I think I think that'll cover me for quite some time because I don't watch that much TV. Summer's here now. It's like I'm going to be outside playing and doing stuff like, you know, going to the playground like a little kid. <laughs> like a little kid. Well, one thing that I will be doing this summer, and since you mentioned HBO, it is uh, The Leftovers is coming back tonight, actually. Well, if you'll be listening to this on Monday, so the first uh, episode will have already aired. Premieres Sunday, April 16th, season three, which will also be the final season, which is good because uh, once they've gone ahead and made the decision that that's that, means we'll get it wrapped up and there'll be answers and it should be wacky and crazy. This has rapidly become my favorite show. Uh, the first season was okay. The second season was so fucking crazy bonkers and batshit insane. I loved every second of it. Okay, so I'm going to have to get through. I, I watched the first half of season one. I was bored out of my mind. Get through the first season. They go batshit crazy in the second season. Cool. The second season has probably one of the... One of the craziest hours of TV I've ever seen. There is one particular episode that is, I I just love it so much. It makes zero sense. It is the most insane thing I've probably ever seen broadcast. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, I'll I'll probably flip back and forth between this and the Americans because I can't, I don't want to like, you know, binge four seasons of the Americans. So, and the thing about the leftovers is when I originally, when it originally came out, and uh, one of the original interviews I heard was, you're never going to find out why the thing happened that started the show. Like, they were ne- they're were, they never going to tell you. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 some of the guys from Lost, so I'm, that, I'm Yeah, that's why. That, so, yeah. They're, they're still butthurt from, you know, the ending that they came up with for Lost. They're like, you know what? We're going to end around that process by just giving you a mystery and not telling you how it ends. 
That's I it. think with this with this one because I'm going into it expecting that as long as they wrap up the plot lines that have actually they've introduced themselves mm-hmm. instead of the main mystery, I'll be okay with that. Okay. All right. We'll see though. I I might be talking about throwing a bottle of whiskey at the TV again at the end of this. <laughs> Could be. There's always there's <laughs> dude. There's always that option. There's always that option. <laughs> yeah. And I saw this on The Verge, and I we're going to get to this in a second. I just want to say before we even start this, you put in a reply in the show notes, which is exactly the one that I knew you were going to put in here, and that's why I put this story in here. <laughs> so, okay. and, and, and uh, yeah, um, all breakup notes should be written in playlist format now. So the millennials out there are sending playlists to their significant others who are their soon to be ex significant others and communicating through song. Now, uh, I, I, I looked at this and I'm like, hmm, this sounds familiar. Now, Brian, would you like to tell me why this sounds familiar? All right. I was angry, so I just typed this in. I'll read it verbatim. <laughs> Fucking millennials thinking they come up with everything. I made breakup cassettes and CDRs back in the dark ages, you little shits. And those actually took effort. Fucking millennials. Yes. Yes. I mean, well, while I am famous for breaking up with a girl on Alf stationery while she was away at college, um, I have made breakup mixtapes and I have gotten breakup mixtapes. Never got a breakup CDR. I think I was past past that in the CDR age. But <laughs> yes, the breakup cassette is a that is an effort of will. You have to you have to put it out there. You have to make sure that all the tracks fit on the right side. Then you have to record it on a tape to tape machine. Sequencing mattered. Like yes. if you screwed up, if you screwed up sequencing, you had to start again. You didn't just drag and drop. Exactly. And if you if you didn't hit pause at the right time at the end of the song, then you know you, yep. there were all sorts of problems that could go into it. It was it, it took effort, and it took yeah. you know a couple of nights. It wasn't like okay, add the list, add the list, add the list, share done. It's like oh, and then you got lazy. the little stick. You got the little sticky thing that uh, that you had to put on with the label, the little Maxell sticky thing that would you know be covered with the tears of your pain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is a whole new world, people. Yeah, yeah. If, and not, if you cried a, too much, it would peel off before you could get into the little plastic case. And yeah, yeah. showed you cared. <laughs> Nobody can see the tears on your keyboard. Oh man. Well, <laughs> speaking of tears of of woeful agony, uh, remember when YouTube broke up with PewDiePie? Vaguely, yes. But yeah. Didn't he do something anti-Semitic? Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that did the fivers. Uh, he 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 pre-spicered Spicer. <laughs> yes, he did. He did. It was it was hard to remember which one. If this was, if, you know, I get PewDiePie and Milo Yiannopoulos mixed up because you know they're both just racist assholes, um, right? Who look about the same. They could be brothers from the same Aryan mother. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> PewDiePie is moving over to Twitch. Okay. Yeah, he's going to start testing his new show over at Twitch. So um, I have a, I have a link later on that I'll talk about, but uh, it's good luck with that. Let's see how Amazon reacts. You know, because if if Google's <laughs> not going to take him, I don't think Jeff Bezos is going to take him either. Probably not. I'd be surprised. We'll see what happens though. Uh, we are getting well. In addition to uh, it coming and looking absolutely fantastic, we are getting a new Stephen King uh, TV show. Oh, while they're also working on uh, the uh, what's my favorite series of his the, the gunslinger yeah the gunslinger we'll see how that one goes too uh i loved the mist as a movie and i loved the book did you ever see the movie i thought it was great there were two of them weren't there i don't know i just remember the most recent one. i saw the most recent two. one yeah 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 I, I really I, enjoyed i enjoyed it too and i called the ending um uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna <laughs> ruin it here but I, I knew that ending was exactly what it was gonna be absolutely well, right it, it couldn't be anything else. It had to be that. So it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Uh, they are turning it into a TV series, which I'm 
I don't know how I feel about that because they also just recently did uh what was that other one the um the dome. Oh, that's right. I, yeah, yeah. Which was a great book. I love the book. I tried to watch the show and I watched the whole first season. I thought it was fantastic, but then I realized, oh, it's not ending. You're just going to keep going. Yeah. They built the world. Maybe, now they're going to keep uh, milking it. Uh, yeah, that that sucked. So I'm expecting that to suck for this too. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just don't understand how they're going to stretch it and turn it into a series with all these, you know, continuing plot lines. The whole it's Stephen pretty self-contained. Is, <laughs> yeah. is so self-contained for the most part. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I'll give it a go. The 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 little bit of the, the trailer looks great. We'll see. It's like taking the shot or not uh, taking the green mile and turning it into a series. You can't yeah. do that. You could actually do the Shawshank Redemption though into a series. That would have been a good one. That's true. You could have. What happens when they get to uh, Mexico? And in their wacky adventures afterwards. Yes. But yeah, the mist, I don't know, have no idea how they're going to do that. They're going to have to extend it past the ending of the movie or the book. You know, there's no mm-hmm. other way. Yeah. Uh, so the reboot of Mystery Science Theater 3000 is out now. Yes. I am very trepidatious about this because I did love Mystery Science Theater when I was mm-hmm. uh, when I was growing up. It, I am generally with lots that- of booze. <laughs> I, I, I'm worried that that is something of a certain age and we might be too old to really enjoy it. Now, I was like I said, I was trepidatious, but they put out a short mm-hmm. where they they take on Stranger Things. Did okay. you watch this yet? No, I haven't. Um, we're going to pause for a moment. We'll be right back after these brief messages. <laughs> and we're back. What did you think? Brian? All right. I watched it. Eh. You didn't like it? I was laughing out loud by the end. I think it was fine. The whole point of Mystery Science Theater was that they went back and they found these crazy old movies that nobody had ever seen. Now they're just doing this is Stranger Things was one of the biggest things in pop culture last year. Well, that's why they're using it as a promo to get people interested to come see the show. I mean, that that's yeah. just marketing right there. But I thought they did yeah. a good job with it. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it's exactly like the old show. So mm-hmm. I, I just I am turned off by the fact that they went for pop culture. Well, that, it's just a promo. Let's, yeah, yeah, whatever. They do they do the old movies on, on the new series. Um, yeah, until the ratings aren't there, and then they'll go ahead and do pop culture. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll check it out, or I'm <laughs> going to check it out. It'll be one of those late night things when I'm just tired and need something funny before I go to bed. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I've mentioned before the ongoing history of New Music Podcast uh, and how it started, uh, which it first had no music and then they did snippets of music with Spotify playlists. It's getting pretty good. I'm really enjoying it. So if you uh, if you like podcasts about music, I'd suggest going and checking it out. There's a, there's a two-part series out right now called Oasis at War, which is absolutely fantastic, particularly if you were uh, around during the Britpop days and into music at that time. So good stuff. The podcast is getting much better, uh, and he's kind of dialing in how to do this without paying the licensing fees to put the music in the podcast. So that's good stuff. That's cool. Do, do we have a number on how long a clip can be before you have to pay for it? No, I don't know. You were just at Rain. You'd think you'd know. I was doing advertising. I wasn't doing content licensing. It wasn't, you know, copyright news. It was. Yeah, I don't I don't really know how that works, but obviously NPR doesn't care because they're paying the fees. So oh, if you're on yeah. NPR, you're good to go. But if you're not, uh, you know, you either break the law like we did the first 30 episodes that we did or you pay up. Breaking so, the law. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. <laughs> and uh, one additional thing came out of uh, Star Wars, whatever, whatever that uh, I don't know what they call their big thing. Star Wars Celebration. Is that what it's called? that's going on right now the convention oh yes you're asking the wrong guy (laughs) 
in Orlando, Florida. Um, so we got the trailer that came out of it, and they have also put together a very touching tribute to uh, Carrie Fisher. And uh, if you watch it, you'll get a bit misty. Okay. Link in the show notes. Uh, I, I will check that out. I like I like Miss Carrie Fisher. Brick a brick. So the URL that I was mentioning before when I was talking about PewDiePie was uh, yes. I was trying to figure out if Jeff Bezos was Jewish or not, because okay. that would really kind of, uh, you know, help the case <laughs> tip, that, tip PewDiePie the was, yeah, that PewDiePie wouldn't make it. Turns out he's not. But uh, in trying to figure out if Jeff Bezos was Jewish, I ran across a site called JewOrNotJew.com. Hmm. Which is it's a it's it's for famous people. So if you're trying to find out if somebody's Jewish or not, uh, you go there, plug in their name, and it will give you a dossier. I feel like there are only two people in the world that have this bookmarked: you and uh, Steve Bannon, uh, Adam Carolla. <laughs> they have an entire segment called "Jew or Not a Jew." No, definitely not a Jew. I think is the name of the segment. Oh, de- it's definitely not a Jew. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was a, <laughs> I, I thought of that when I saw this website. I'm like, definitely not a Jew. Yes, <laughs> which was a pretty funny, funny bit. Uh, so if you're if you're ever looking to find out if somebody's Jewish or not, there you go. There you go. Uh, we have some interesting science news that came through this week. Now, uh, again, this is a problem. It's like nobody realizes that putting a putting the question mark in your headline is not a good thing these days. Betteridge, uh, Betteridge, Betteridge. Could icy moons like Saturn's Enceladus in the outer solar system be home to microbes or other forms of alien life? Question mark. Now, the the actual answer here is maybe. Okay. So it's not no. So this is super interesting. Uh, they've they've studied these plumes that are coming from the moon, and it seems to be that they have all the building blocks and the necessary conditions that there could be life there. Very fascinating stuff. So oh, 2001, wrong planet. There you go. Yeah. And speaking of uh, weird shit, uh, two years later, we finally know why people saw the dress differently. You remember the dress, the one that some people saw as blue and some people saw as white. It all comes down to perceived color, and uh, basically they're thinking that if you are a somebody who wakes up early or somebody who sleeps in, nighttime light, uh, daytime light, what hits your eyes more, that's what made the difference here. You know, I have a, I have a problem with this study. Yep. Because you can change, you can change that outcome very uh, easily by changing the color of the background that the dress is on. Now, I want to go dig into the study. Well, because that I, will I, work as well. Yes. yes, that will work as well. But they're saying in completely similar situations, you have a predilection depending on on what your eyes are exposed to more often that that swung the difference, that tipped the scales, as it were. In this case, to make you go one way or the other as to what you thought you were seeing. Right. That's. I just want to find out the methodology that they use to to neutralize the background color. So so it wasn't an issue going from subject to subject to subject. That's all. That's all right. that matters, right? Because this came up on yeah. another show that I did recently, and uh, <laughs> we talked. We talked about it at length, and you know, I just I couldn't find that when I was looking at the trying to find the methodology of how they actually showed the people the dress. So. Right, right. Well, well, we can definitely dig into that. I just think it's super fascinating that at the time we actually didn't have the science to understand why, and within two years they kind of figured it out. No, oh, there we Pretty go. Pretty cool. And there's a great article in the LA Weekly, at least for me. Uh, I grew up in LA in the 80s, early 90s, and uh, so did the person who wrote this article. It's called "It's How Three Moody British Bands Became the Holy Trinity for LA Misfits." Oh God, this uh, is right up your alley. 
it's the Smiths, the Cure, Depeche Mode, and you know, you throw in Bauhaus and the offshoot bands from there. That's that's my my quad as opposed to my Trinity. Uh, but straight up, yeah, this is exactly me. So if you grew up here listening to K Rock and, and you were into alternative bands, this is straight up an article that discusses how popular they were in LA, how it happened. Um, every single concert that this chick lists that she was at, I was at too. So pretty cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. The thing is, it's, this isn't L.A. specific because all the goth kids at my school when I was in high school in like 87, 88, same same Holy Trinity. So we and they didn't we didn't get all the concerts you guys got. So I think it, if you were into one, you probably were in the in the sphere of the rest. Well, they were the big bands and, you know, they they hit the big cities, New York, Chicago, L.A. That's, you know, sometimes Houston got got some or Dallas. You know, that's those were the big touring spots for these three bands back in the 80s, 90s. If you had an alternative radio station of any size, those were the three bands that were getting played the most. So mm-hmm. it, it makes sense for anybody, you know, any city, not just L.A. But this one, this article is so L.A. specific and it just touched, you know, touched on so many things that I did specifically. It was great. So <laughs> reliving and, your youth. Uh, Yes, and reliving my youth. And speaking of my youth, uh, Coachella has been going on for an awful long time now. Uh, I used to go regularly, and it was awesome. It has jumped the shark considerably, and I have included a link to the top eight products of the Coachella Industrial Complex that most make <laughs> me want to die. And I quite enjoyed it. So uh, can you get, can funny. you give us a few of them? Because I've never been to Coachella, uh, and I never will go. So, Chloe Kardashian's Coachella Ready Denim Cutoffs that are for sale. Oh, my God. Oh, yep. my God. Um, the Free People, which is a clothing line's entire cultural appropriation-themed festival line, which includes Indian headdresses, Goa waist belts, Tibetan sunrise necklaces, etc. Uh, the Coachella Ready Cannabis Flower Crown, limited edition. <laughs> uh, and People Magazine's list of these 11 festival essentials you need in your fanny pack for Coachella. We have a winner. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, uh, did I forget the custom Coachella themed emojis you can get for your phone? Oh, Jesus. Yes, I, 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 I would is, say it definitely jumped the shark. It has jumped the shark. It used to be a lot of fun. Not so much anymore. Okay. Well, uh, my last one, I've talked about uh, Masterclass before, masterclass.com, and yes. how they've got some great stuff up there. And all, there's so many I want to take, but I just don't have time. I still want to yep. do Dead Mouse's electronic music one because I think that would just be fascinating to watch mm-hmm. as, as a noob in that world. Um, but, uh, and I'm still like going through James Patterson's story class. Cause I just keep going through and finding new stuff and, and actually like taking it in because it's really well done, but there's a new one that just came out. It's pre-release only unless it like for people who already have classes, but it'll be open to everybody soon. And it's right. Steve Martin's master class on comedy. Yeah. I've seen the promos for it. It looks pretty funny. I mean, I think I would just enjoy it as a comedy special as opposed to actually teaching me comedy. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's pretty long. It's like twelve hours of video and and you know workshops and worksheets and stuff like that. And you have class time yeah. where you can send stuff to Steve and he'll check it out. And but yes. uh, they're they're ninety bucks. That's it. Right. That's a lot of value for ninety bucks, and it's well yeah. done. I can just tell you from taking the Patterson class, it's well done. Yeah, so that'll I'll get a review of that sometime if I ever finish Patterson's class. <laughs> Feedback loop. We have a new Patreon subscriber this week. Jason has decided to join the club. So, A, he's got the greatest name of all time. And he's <laughs> smart because he likes to give us some money for doing this show. So, thank you very much, Jason, for signing up for Patreon this week. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and then over on Twitter, Andreas Crone sent us uh, the link about hell uh, as well. I did like his comment. If Lex Luthor had founded a startup, Uber would have been it. 
So I just uh, parsed that totally incorrectly. So <laughs> you for the awkward uh, pausing there. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, we gotta get yeah. you some morning tea. I think. I know it's it's just a weird time that we're doing this today. I'm not quite ready. And uh, N81.0 sent us a photo of a Prius uh, from a gun lover, and then I wrote back that I didn't like guns or Priuses, so I don't. But it was very funny, so don't worry about it. You weren't trolling us. Okay. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this comes from the website. This is it's came in a, a little while ago, and we've been actually working on trying to get an, an answer for it. Uh, it's from Christian Zangle. Uh, I've got a question for Dave Bittner, if that's okay. Of course, because no, then, then we don't have. Yeah, fuck it, we don't have to do it. <laughs> if everybody wants to write to Dave, go for it. Although, then, yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that works out in a second. I like to run my routers with OpenWRT or Lead. Unlike my Linux machines, which constantly update, these are often stable for years. To be fair, updating a router is a lot more complicated than a normal Linux box, but I still find it surprising that there are no security updates at all. So, how secure are those things? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh... Yeah, so Bittner passed on this. Uh, he didn't feel he could give us a solid enough of an answer. Uh, so we decided to not stop there. We kicked it around a bit. Uh, we sent it over to our friends at Symantec and a friend of the show, Monkey13. Uh, they're quite long answers, so we're just going to put them up in the show notes and you can take a look at them. Yeah, yeah. It would take us about a half an hour to read these. <laughs> so yes. we're going to pass on that one. <laughs> yeah, so we got your answers. We tracked it down. So keep on sending us stuff. If you've got any questions, we will find an answer one way or another. Damn it. Yeah, we're not smart, but we have smart friends. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, we have an iTunes five star from Nick MCN. Woohoo. Uh, topical and entertaining. Maybe I'm biased because they talk about things I'm interested in. But this is the only podcast of this length I'll listen to. Bittner <clears> was the gate. <laughs> See, uh, on uh, another point for Jason. <clears throat> yeah. um, uh, no, no, there's no way you can consider that a point for you. It's like he, he probably he's making a point that I can't believe how fucking long these shows are. And it's only because I'm so fascinated that I would possibly listen to two hours of this drivel because we're so good that's what he's saying he will put up with anything because we're that damn good you got imagine you gotta, you gotta, how good we'd be in tasty bite-sized chunks yeah boring chunks. boring yeah, yeah. and and this show is going to be well under two hours so shut the fuck up that's because neither of us had time to prepare this week oh man i did my best did my best i was too busy yeah. avoiding the real news in the world <laughs> anyway bittner was the gateway drug and now i am hooked keep it up and we have a little message from Dave. He goes, yay. Yay. <laughs> so, Mother of all Bittners, the Moab. <laughs> uh, if you want your questions or comments right on the show, head over to GOG.show slash support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five star and snarky review. Closing shout out. My shout out this week goes to Matt Lombardi, the founder of the Slatewood Club down in Nashville. Amazing dude. Uh, we had the greatest time with him. His crew is one of the most professional, nicest, and just accommodating group of guys and girls. I'm sorry, guys and women. I shouldn't say girls anymore. Uh, that I've ever stayed with. We had, you know, an amazing chef, two great bartenders, had the best whiskey tastings. Um, I didn't go the, the gun and car route, but uh, everybody that went had a great time. But man, uh, if you ever need a place to go have like a dude's weekend, the uh, Slatewood Club, you cannot go wrong. So definitely check them out. I got the link in the show notes. Excellent. And I'd like to thank Air Canada for not dragging me off the plane. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to go back and listen to the security segment to find out how you fared. But you're home and uh, un unaccosted. So I assume everything went okay. 
everything went all right. You can go back and we talked about that at great length in our security segment, Jason. Yeah, excellent. So, until next time, I'm Brian Schilmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to The Grumpy Old Geeks. GOG.show is our home base where you can listen to old shows, leave feedback, ask us questions, get links to our awesome sponsors and stuff we like. If you're an app person, you can listen to us on the Podcast One app for iOS and Android. Get it at podcastone.com slash apps. If you'd like to become an official friend of the podcast, go to GOG.show slash support where you'll find all the ways you can help support the show and keep us on the air. To learn more about all the people who make the show possible, head over to GOG.show slash about and show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at GOG.show slash 205. <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I like the drop down calculator so you can pick what that would pay for. Oh, my God. 2,000 students educated per year. Nice. Six years of homelessness aid. All 25 right. million meals funded. Yep. And that's 13 weeks of him as president. Awesome. Yep. How's that little baby of yours? Oh, he's awake, so hopefully he won't bleed over too much and I don't have to get yelled <laughs> at by Jason. <laughs> oh, Jason, Jason's so understanding and forgiving when it comes to these sorts of things. I don't understand what, what the problem is. It is, a, it is amazing how he forgets about that when his dog starts barking and then it's like, oh. <laughs> well, that's just adorable. Bam, bam. Come over here, bam, bam. Let's everybody hear you barking. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Can't you keep your f- baby from making any noise? <laughs> yes, he grumbles and grumbles. <laughs> uh, oh well, that's funny. It is a. Yeah. Uh, it is the just, uh, yeah cost of doing the podcast, I suppose. Thank you very much, but please fuck off now. Alec Amazon with Diggy Dong.